1: back welcome back everybody throughout the fruited plains of uh, the greatest nation on the face of the planet and the greatest success story the world has ever known and that is america i'm glad that each and every one of you could come along with me today as we build the bridge to conversation this is The C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant live coast to coast and border to border around the globe. And I want to thank Red State, our flagship station. As we uh, uh, journey into our American future, if you're traveling through Times Square that I'm sure soon will be booming with people again, uh, be sure to look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, and uh, above that iconic building. You will see the Red State Talk billboard, and every hour, uh, 24 hours a day, the C.L. Bryant show does pop up there on the billboard. And um face looking right back at you. Hey, folks, uh, Times Square right now, though, still pretty much a ghost town. Only thing that's missing, tumbleweed. that's the only thing that's missing uh blowing through times square wouldn't that be a sight uh that'd be a great shot for some futuristic movie don't you think tumbleweed blowing through times square because of the virus we're about uh to see ourselves through this tunnel i believe god has uh provided the wisdom in our natural minds uh, for us to find our way out of these types of situations. And I want all of you who are a, of a Christian slant to understand that healing comes in many ways. I know that uh, many times when we think about uh, healing, we think about the miraculous healings that occur in scripture and that were performed by the apostles. And of course, Jesus Christ himself, but friends healing uh comes in many ways sometimes healing has to be gradual uh sometimes uh many times we we have to uh learn something as we travel along the way to be getting well to being uh healed as far as it is concerned and you know and I through the ordeal with my wife uh, Jane I um learned this that yes uh, God did keep her around, um, I mean healthy, sound, doing her thing uh, for nearly 11 years after we got the, the first diagnosis uh, of the uh, cancer in her body. And um, <clears throat> there were a lot of things that happened in that 10-year period that let me see how the journey itself was of life, of life was a healing uh, type of process, and uh, death itself is an exit from uh, this place. I think once, um, unless it's something totally unexpected, the the lesson has been complete. You go on and to be with the Lord in another existence. You're healed of whatever it was, and I certainly trust that you taught whatever you needed to have taught, you know, in this lifetime. And some of you still have a lot of lessons to teach, not just lessons to learn. Uh, There are lessons for us to teach. And so what do we teach? What do we learn during this period in time? What is it that we're supposed to learn uh, at this point in time in our American lives? Surely we have plenty of time to stop and reflect, right? Right. Of course we do. Each one of you at this point in time, unless you're one of those essentials uh, that's out there. And I, I, you know, all of us are essential to what we do, but you're not essential to the operation of the country or your city or, you know, what happens. And so you're at home. And you should have time to reflect. This coronavirus thing should have given you time to reflect. And I certainly hope that you're not uh, finding time to be angry at uh, your significant other, your spouse, your children. I, I hope you're not making time for that. But making time actually to honestly and uh, deeply reflect on how you know, we all are, are better coming out of this? Is there a lesson for us to learn? I mean, because the president is right about this, for sure. Listen, one of the joys, I love college football, okay? Um, I, love, I love, like sports. I just like being uh, in arenas where sports activity is taking place on the, the field or the court or the gridiron or the tennis court, what have you. You know, I don't swim uh, very, I was telling a new friend of mine uh, that I don't swim uh, that, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I love to watch swimming. I love to watch the uh, swimming events. And the reason I mention thats that is that we're going to have to congregate again. We're going to have to find a way to do it. We're going to have to find a way to congregate again. And the president is right. The joy, one of the joys of being in a stadium is being in a stadium next to that guy, next to this guy. I don't go, uh, pardon me, my goodness, I don't go to gymnasiums uh, because I'm I'm half a a germaphobe, I think. (laughs) Not really, but I don't know. know. That may be true. I'm sort of half a germaphobe. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I don't go to I don't go to gyms I work out at my house or if I work out you know or I do so I go chop some wood whatever you know and um, because in, in gyms you just don't know who touched what and you know we don't know who they are or that type of thing okay so um, we all need to pay attention to what it is we are to take from this. The Surgeon General, uh, Jerome Adams, uh, said Tuesday that he did not see White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro's January memo warning the administration of the dangers to the United States of the impending coronavirus epidemic, but stressed that precautions, uh, preparations were going on the entire time after the news of the deadly virus started developing in China, so even though the memo and and, and, and keep an eye this is one of those times where you flip back and forth between c n n and uh, fox and msNBC you know you know for sure because you will see Three different stories, two of them told basically in the same vein, the same slant. One of them told entirely different. Somewhere in between you find the truth uh, to the story. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. And I told you it's time now when you're reading body language uh, about the coronavirus on television and, uh, you know, uh, facial expressions when we're talking about that. It's time now to read between the lines on things that are being said and what the progressive liberal, what the uh, media would want you to think. And I don't know why. Don't ask me why they want you to think something negative of the president of the United States during a time like this. I don't know. I wouldn't know. But they they do. They want you to to, to think that. And so they want to take this particular uh, incident that may or may not be so, uh, according to the uh, Surgeon General Jerome Adams. uh, He didn't see a memo from uh, Pete Navarro, who was the uh, trade advisor to the White House, which meant that uh, the trade advisor to China in the White House was Peter Navarro. He knew about the coronavirus, and he sent a memo, according to Peter Navarro, to the White House, advising that there was coronavirus in China. Reading between the lines, what does this say now? It says that the Chinese, of course, knew that the virus was there. Coming up. Uh, at the um in the next hour of the show will be um author Gordon Chang. And um Gordon has written a book that uh, predicts the collapse of the Chinese economy. He's a frequent guest on um my good friend Sean Hannity and Fox News and um on various shows, Tucker And so when Gordon comes on, it's in the next hour, Gordon Chang will be on with me. Um, When Gordon comes on, we want to get from his perspective what it is we should fear, if anything, from the Chinese. Are we in a position Financially to ward off their obvious nefarious intentions toward us as Americans. Now, we've been warned about the Chinese for years now, um, several um, administrations in past times, not in succession, but in past times have indeed given a warning about the Chinese. This president, however, has done something. He made moves, he made uh, strides to do something, and he has done something about the Chinese. In fact, he, he brought them, he had them absolutely at bay, had them coming to the table. We have this great trade agreement that's going to be a boon for our uh, agricultural um, uh, workers and farmers uh, in America. The president had the upper hand. He still does. But this virus that the Chinese at one point uh, last week or week before wanted to deny. Was anything uh, to do with them and wanted to blame the American military for putting it there. Don't you dare think that they do not want and covet our position in the world and they have the means to do it while we battle corona coronavirus some of you are saying, well, the Chinese can't be that evil. They can't hurt, hurt, hate us that bad because they sent us a 1,000 uh, ventilators, sent uh, New York a 1,000 ventilators. No, Donald John Trump had those sent to New York via friends of his from China. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? No, you'd never know that. You know, you know why you'd never know that? Because the mainstream media will never tell you that. A lot of you don't even know that the president doesn't take. A, you, know, you don't know the president doesn't even take a salary for what he for the uh, aggravation. <laughs> now, no, I listen. I'm I'm afraid. Listen, there are a lot of things that I do non, uh, you know, for free. There's a lot of things. A lot of uh, people. Uh, people that i know um, you know throughout the country can call me and i'll come do whatever i need to do for them because they it's them right but i'm going to be honest with you and and i know that you understand where i'm coming from if i were president of the united states and a situation like donald trump is in no you are going to have to pay me <laughs> i'm sorry Uh Uh-uh, not by the hair of my chinny chin. No way. No, you cannot pay me to take the aggravation that Donald Trump puts up with. And then I'm not sure that I would stay on that job. But he's doing it for free. Are you hearing me? This this president, and I think John Kennedy was the last president, one to do it, John F. Kennedy was the last one to do it um as president is to you know not take his salary. I think at that time the president's salary was something like a hundred thousand dollars uh hundred and fifty thousand dollars um I don't know what it was it two hundred thousand maybe it was back in the sixties it might have been a hundred thousand not sure um which was a lot of money, which was equivalent to four fifty now you know we paid president and um Kennedy didn't take it. He was a millionaire. Trump's a millionaire. Neither of them took their salary. You know, his chump changed them, the houses that they lived in or were able to live in, the White House was certainly a step down. You know, no kidding. My point being this. The Chinese knew that this type of thing was going on in China. They knew it. Um, they did not tell us the truth. Now, I have a real talk out, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rev, uh, at Rev, R-E-V-C-L Bryant. Follow me on Twitter. I have a, a, um, a real talk out. I think it was the one before, the one that's out now, demanding that Congress investigate this sequence of events. Oh, we don't do it now. We can wait. We can wait. But we're gonna have to investigate this. Because we need to know. Gordon Chang will be my guest at the the bottom of the next hour. And um we need to know just I think we do. We we've always been, you know, aware that the Chinese want to replace us, period. Financially and, you know, quite frankly, just shove us out of the way. Gordon Chang's gonna come on and talk to us about that and his book um that he has written outlining the uh impending collapse of the Chinese economy. Gordon Chang will be my guest um at the bottom of the next Hour. Stay with me. Did they know? When did they know? Why didn't they tell us? Why did they um, deny that it even came from Huan province? Why did they even deny that? Why won't they tell us the truth about uh, whether or not it actually escaped or got out of a lab? Like by accident, like SARS did. SARS, when you look at SARS and MERS, the situations uh, we've dealt with, many people at all levels just did not expect something like this to happen on um, this magnitude. And as I was saying earlier, there are many lessons to be learned from this so that we keep ourselves safe uh, in the future. The good news is uh, we're seeing many places across the country level out. The good news was was coming out of uh, D.C. and um, New York City a little bit earlier today. I caught a little bit of Mario Cuomo's, uh, not Mario, but Andrew, uh, Andrew Cuomo's um, (laughs) presentation. And it looks like the news is cautiously good. And um, Dr. Fauci was uh Vucci was um, saying to us that this type of uh, result that we 're beginning to see is exactly what we 're wanting to see so uh be of good cheer stay, uh, strengthen your your backbones and and let 's continue through this let 's go on through follow through with this uh, one of the great things about a, a baseball swing or a tennis swing. Or even a, a basketball shot, uh, a throw of a. <laughs> Cl, back with you on this great day in the USA. You know, I'm here by myself. I have no one here with me. And I miss, I don't have anyone counting me down or, you know, talking to me in my ear or anything like that. And so I miss the count on the time timing of, uh, you know, segments and so forth. And so bear with me on that. That And I noticed that even on the national uh, television scene on Fox, uh, they're losing feeds and all that type thing. Uh, and, and this thing is having all types of an effect on uh, broadcast. But we're trudging right through it the same way as you are as well. And that's what I was saying to you when I ran out of time in the last segment, is that we have to make sure that we follow through, that we go on through this. And uh, we're moving through it. We've, um, I think, are approaching the, the apex of our climb up this. Uh, it's been a very steep climb. And um, that's one thing I used to do a lot of when I was a kid. I do a lot of trail hiking and, and so forth uh, in mountainous, hilly areas. used to love to do that. Jane and I love to do that uh, with the kids. And you just have to go through it. You have to get to where you're going and then go on down the other side. And so we're, we're just about at that, that point where we're at the, the top of this climb. It's been difficult and we've lost some along the way. There is no doubt that uh, it is uh, unexpected sadness that we are uh, experiencing here. In our nation, unexpected sadness, because there are people who um, surely we all thought would still be with us. You know, at this point in time, just two weeks ago, but they have perished. And uh, the fact of the matter is, and, and this is the hard, cold fact that we do have to face, is that you do have people who are at a stage where those who have passed on were five, six days ago. And so we do know that the death rate is going to increase even as we approach the apex and start down the other side. But the good news that we're receiving is that the uh, death count may have been overly stated. And let's let's pray that that's the end. And then let's give God the glory for it because it it, it could have been worse. It can always be our worst expectations as men and the possibilities of that happening. Uh, Let's thank God, our creator, who we believe in our founding documents, gives us this land that we live uh, in and on Um, and has blessed it. it with all of its faults, with all of her faults. He still blessed it to become the greatest nation on the face of the planet. You don't do that just because you want to, you have to do that because of favor of, in my estimation, in my um, discipline, the creator. Okay. And America has had that even with all of the uh, terrible things that we have seen occur in this country and we have been the perpetrators of those terrible things so we want to blame this one we want to blame that one but but we as a collective whole our ancestors our uh friends and relatives. oh you we want to put a face and a color on it i know we want to do that i know we always want to do that because that uh is the easy thing to do but the hard thing for us to do i think uh and and that's what we must do now is the hard thing we must face what the what the problem truly is, and it is us collectively. Uh, if you look out uh, throughout history, whether you blame a color, you blame a face or an ethnicity on certain things, it's been it's always been us. Okay, whatever color uh, we have taken on, whatever. Uh, ethnicity it may have come out of uh, w- w- it's always been us and it's still us and you name any situation it's the citizen it's the person who lives in the con- in that nation because no nation is better than uh, any of its citizens no nation can possibly be better than any of its citizens And so whatever the difficulties are here in America, uh, then uh, we are talking about a nation that need to pay close attention to how it treats itself because we teach other people how to treat us. We show them how to do it. Terrence K. Williams is on with me and folks if you have not seen uh any of his videos on uh Twitter you have missed an absolute uh treat he is a very brilliant comedian great mind and he and I are uh, honored to serve on the same board uh, as oh no, it's Paris, I got Paris on with me, okay, uh Paris Denard is on with me, and Paris and I are privileged to serve on the same board. Uh, for the president, Black Voices for Trump and Terrence Paris is uh, one of our leading activists in uh, this movement. And help me welcome him to the show for the first time, Paris Denard, Black Voices for Trump. Thank you so much for being there.
3: Hey, Reverend, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you know, uh, Terrence is a is a great guy, but I think I hopefully can live up to his tremendous platform and and talk to your
1: audience today. Absolutely. I know that you can. I know that you will tell us now. Let's kick the conversation off uh, by you telling us about your involvement uh, with Black Voices for Trump. Why would you make a move like that in America today, being a black Republican, a black conservative, and now hooking your wagon solidly to the Trump campaign? Talk to us.
3: Well, Reverend Bryant, thank you for having me on the show, and 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 for your audience. Just a little background: I have uh, been in the Republican Party since I was 17 years old. I happen to be from Phoenix, Arizona, and and um, I've held several positions. I worked in the George W. Bush White House for four years, doing black outreach amongst other things, and uh, and now I'm privileged to be at the Republican National Committee as the Senior Communication Advisor for Black Media Affairs. And I am so tremendously honored to uh, serve with you on the Black Voices for Trump Advisory Board because, to me, uh, President Trump has shown himself to be one that is Uh, worthy of the black vote he has shown himself to be someone who is serious about earning the black vote and he has shown himself to be someone who has kept his promises to the black community from the campaign trail to the presidency and now during the re-election and so to me uh it was uh a a a no brainer, if you can use that expression, in terms of why I would hitch my wagon to uh, this person, both as a candidate, now as president, and then going into the re election. When you look at the things that he said he was going to do for our community on the issues of criminal justice reform, education, uh, both uh, s- uh, school choice and parental choice, but also with uh, historical historically black college universities known as HBCUs, uh, as well as his uh, support for faith-based organizations and churches and religious freedom and liberty and being pro-life and supporting life. Uh, and championing life and this from an economic and an entrepreneurial standpoint um, championing black small businesses and and creating an economic environment so that our black entrepreneurs over 2 million in this country many of which are black women uh, can thrive and survive and, and 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 do well and have a piece of the American dream for me uh, president choice is the president trump is the black choice and i hope that moving into this this election in november more of our uh, black American brothers and sisters can identify through him, through us, amplifying the message and, and having our voice. Uh, going into communities all across the country, especially in uh, where you are now.
1: Well said. Paris Denard is my guest. Coming up at the end of the next hour will be Arthur Garden Chang. And I want us to we're going to connect the dots here um, with Paris and with Gordon. And so I want you to stick around. Uh, Paris, there is an evolution that I think you and I and along with this nation uh, are witnessing. I don't know if everyone is aware of it, but Are we going to see the fruit of our labor, your work, my work, uh, this 2020 election for president at the polls? Will black people, is there an awakening going on, and is there a movement to stimulate that awakening? Talk to us more.
3: Well, I think there's no doubt that there's an awakening. I just saw a Zodby poll that just went out that said 36 percent of uh, black Americans are approving uh, of the job the president is doing uh, as it relates to his handling of the coronavirus uh, with the task force. And I think that we've seen other polls, uh, Gallup polls and others that show the president, uh, his support uh, with the black community increasing uh, since that of to, uh, 2016. Uh, and so I think when you when you look at the things that are being done, um, that this president talks about from the campaign, but also to the presidencies and promises made and promises kept. And so if, if you look at an objective, a black American in the country today will say, "I will take out all of the noise that I hear from the mainstream media about who they say Do- Donald Trump is and who they and, and how they say I should look at and view Donald Trump and just look at it from an objective standpoint and say, okay, has he been a champion for HBCUs? And the answer is yes. What are the facts? The facts are he has increased uh, funding and support for HBCUs by 14% uh, and just passed the uh, a major piece of le- standalone legislation that really uh, gave millions of dollars to HBCUs and other minority-serving institutions uh, th- uh, to-, to make it available for them to have permanent funding for 10 years uh, and 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 that's with the Future Act. Uh, the question is: Has President Trump been a supporter of school choice? Uh, and parental choice and, and, and vouchers and, and letting parents choose where they want to go to school, where they want to send their children. The answer is yes. When you look at his um, president's support, both for the Opportunity Scholarship Program, both in D.C. and the other things that the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, is doing, the president has shown himself to be a champion for school Choice for parents. It, it, the question is: Has the president uh, led in 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 tremendous ways on criminal justice reform to make it so that people who have paid their paid their debt to society that were nonviolent that were in in prison uh, for for many re- for many years and, and 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 been able to get out? early also be able to receive the training and education that they need inside of prison to get out and be productive citizens the court the answer to that is yes because we saw him sign the, the first step act and now working on the second uh, chance act and so he wants to do more Three thousand uh, uh americans went home last year for christmas and many of them were african-american and we saw uh, alice johnson's ad on the super bowl it was her voice her experience, her story, talking about how criminal justice reform has impacted her life, and she was thanking President Trump. Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people saw that ad. And so across the board, you can ask, even from an economic standpoint, has black unemployment gone down? Have we we seen the gap uh, close when it comes to uh, uh, black and white wealth and the poverty levels and, and, and the numbers of blacks on food stamps and just people on food stamps outside of the black community. Has it gone down? Are more people working? The answer is yes. And then when we get into this COVID-19 pandemic, this war that we're fighting right now, has the president stepped up to the plate and said, I want to make sure that the Black community is impacted favorably by receiving certain benefits and certain having access to certain opportunities so that we can lessen the blow from COVID-19? And the answer to that is yes. Seen through uh, HUD saying, if you have a mortgage, uh, you will not have Uh, You won't be evicted uh, uh, to the end of April, and they'll probably uh, extend that out so that if you have a mortgage, you can't be evicted because of COVID-19 or foreclosed on. And when it comes to unemployment benefits, expanding that, uh, giving an additional $600 if you are, uh, for some reason, let go from your job. And then with the Paycheck Protection Program, allowing you to apply for that if you're a small business owner, uh, which we know 2 million Black Americans are, and then that will allow you to stay on the payroll for eight weeks or pay uh, your employees or or pay for utilities and rent. Uh, and that extends to churches and faith-based organizations and charities. And then when it comes to even accessing the treatment for COVID-19 and getting the testing, that if you have insurance or if you don't have insurance, that's going to be covered by the federal government, so there's no reason for us and as a community to not get the treatment and the help and the, and the access that we need during this crisis. So across the board, Reverend Bryant, we've seen President Trump step up to the plate and truly be a champion for our community, and I think that's what you're going to be able to see moving into November, is that time and time again, there's not anecdotal evidence, but there's factual evidence showing that President Trump has been a champion for our wow. community.
1: Wow, Paris, that was an education, and folks. That's exactly what is necessary now, a re-education on where we are, particularly in the black community uh, and uh, in our political views. Paris, uh, when we talk about this, and I want you to stay with me if you possibly can uh, through the sure. break. Only have about uh, three minutes left in, in this segment. But I want to start our conversation to carry over into uh, the next segment uh, with this. Uh, have we taught? And and this is a discussion that many times, folks, you won't hear anywhere else. And that's why you uh, you've made this show as popular as it is because you hear this type of honest discussion here on the C.L. Bryant Show over at Red State, the largest talk platform in the nation and the most listened to. Paris Denard is my special guest, my colleague, Black Voices for Trump communication director black outreach there in with the white house donald john trump president of the united states my honor to have him on uh, with me paris the question that i have for you is this one have we uh, maybe inadvert- have we maybe inadvertently taught the democrat party how they should treat us and have we accepted that type of treatment of um, being ignored, lied to, as um, a normal political behavior? And is the president, Donald John Trump, breaking that stranglehold? And you've outlined so many things in in what you uh, talked to us about um, just uh, in in the last uh, few minutes. Is this president the... um, Right, president to break that stranglehold because of his straightforward. Talk and demeanor uh, start 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 your answer on that. there 's a lot there 's a lot of meat on that bone. well, you know what Paris, we only have a minute thirty left. Hold your thought, hold your thought I, because I, I want sure. you to, I want you to have a complete thought on that we 're on with Paris Denard, black voices for Trump. This is the c l Bryant show, and uh, we 're going to return with him after the break, but this is what I want all of you to um, uh, marinate on while we, um, uh, head toward this break and the end of the first hour here. And if you don't get both hours of the CL Bryant show, download free the CL Bryant show app onto your favorite device, but marinate on this. Um, you know, I, I believe this, and I say this around the country when I, when I travel and that's, I'm going to hopefully we can travel again here soon. Uh, as I travel, I tell people, we teach folks how to treat you 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 teach people how to how to treat you and I believe and, and Paris Denard is going to uh, take on this question when we return. I believe that we as black people, taught the Democrat Party how to treat us how to lie to us and how not to fulfill any promises to us uh, and how to hurt us. And I believe that this president, the one who says, what do you have to lose? Is breaking that Paris and will return with me after these brief words. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant show. Don't go anywhere. You thought I was worth saving.
0: So you came and changed my life, you thought I was worthless. So
1: you clean me up inside, you thought I was to die for
2: you. Sacrificed. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, "Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio."
1: God bless America. I do the best I can always in the heaven and for DL, Bag with you on this great day in the USA. And um, I got to tell you something, folks, something from sea to shining sea. Our nation is blessed by God. It's the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known. That's right. I'm talking about America. Hey, Times Square is a ghost town. But if you happen to be driving through and don't let the windows down, you oh, You just never know what may happen, but just we're going to get through this, folks. There's no doubt about it. We're going to get through it. But look up above iconic Ripley's Believe It or Not as you're traveling through Times Square and you will see the red state. Talk billboard there above Ripley's. And every hour, 24 hours a day, this C.L. Bryant show does pop up there on the billboard. No C.L.'s face looking right back at you there in Times Square. Thank all of you for coming along with us as we build a bridge to conversation throughout our great nation. And today we're building that bridge. Laying his plank in the building is Paris Denard, my colleague at Black Voices for Trump and he is lending, lending his expertise, his talent, his articulation to the communications of uh, reelecting uh, our president for the United States' highest. Office Paris, when I left you, I was talking to you asking you this question is it possible that um, we black people we folks and full disclosure folks Paris and I are both black men in America who happen to be conservative and happen to be vote republican that that's what what, what it is and so this is a discussion that's coming from two black men. Let that be known and this is a question that two black men are embarking in, in, in upon is it possible that this president Uh, is the exact right president to change the hearts and minds is it possible that he's the president who speaks the language that black people need to hear and is his personality yeah i know i like it a plus for black people and have democrats lied to them over a period of time Uh, talk to us about that paris
3: Well, Reverend, I will tell you that I don't know if if we've taught the Democrats uh, as a a group of people how to treat us, but I think we've certainly accepted it. I think we've accepted for many years uh, of having our vote taken for granted. I think we've accepted, uh, at least for eight years, having a president in office uh, who looked like us but really didn't do a lot for us and never really held him fully accountable for his actions. It's inexcusable, in my opinion, for... uh, uh, president uh, president obama to have cut hbcu funding in his first budget it to me it's unacceptable for him to never address the 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 uh, uh hbcu uh, white house conference for eight years to me it's unacceptable for him to do many of the things that he did as in terms of uh addressing the needs of other communities other groups uh Uh, but not really focusing on the black community the way I think that he could have and should have, especially in the second term. And I think that when you look at uh, how somebody treats you, be it a friendship, a relationship, uh, an employer, uh, it's because we allow things to happen. And so for many years, we've allowed the Democrat Party to take advantage of our vote, get the vote without really having to do much to earn it. Uh, just show up a month or two at our church, and we'll 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 sing hallelujah, and we'll give them the vote. Uh, we will uh, allow them to then get in office, and then forget about us, and ignore us. Uh, if crisis hits, they don't they don't look after us in terms of how they should. If if we gave if I gave you Reverend Bryant uh, ninety eight thousand dollars. If you if you said, Paris, I'm in need. Uh, can you bless me? I need a, I have a hundred thousand dollar need, and I say, fine, I'll give you ninety eight thousand dollars of that. And you say, thank you. And then when I need you, you say, uh, it's it, it's okay. I'll, I would come back and say, I give you ninety eight thousand of the hundred thousand that you asked for. That's essentially what we've done for the what the black vote has done with Democrats. We gave President Obama Democrats ninety eight percent of our vote, <laughs> and. In return, we got little to nothing. And so I think what President Trump, the opportunity with him is not only is he earning the vote and actively going out and never stopped trying to get the vote from 2016. When the time he said, what do you have to lose? Through all of his time in the White House, his policy after policy, legislation after legislation, rule change after rule change have been benefiting us. And so he is now saying not to the Black community, not only do I want your vote, but let me show you what, during the campaign what I want to do. Now when I become president, let me live up to it and actually do what I said. Let me be a man of my word and keep my promise to you and do things above and beyond what I didn't even say I was going to do to help the community. And now let me give you a, a chance to vote for other people. He is expending his political capital on other uh, people like John James in Michigan and other um, candidates that, w- that have come up that he's endorsed that be having black conservatives. This is unprecedented for a black for a Republican to do this. Right to put his political capital for black conservatives across this country who are running for for office. You're absolutely for, for state right, state office and congressional offices. So yes, I think. President
1: Trump is the man of the hour. Let me um, say this um, or ask you this, too, Paris, because uh, I am uh, – it was highly influenced and attended in HBCU, uh, the venerable, once venerable uh, Bishop College um, uh, in in Dallas, Texas. And Mm -hmm. I saw it deteriorate, and I saw um, many alumni um, who just didn't pay attention and sometimes misuse uh, some things that uh, should not have been misused. The accountability for the funds that uh, go into colleges, period, and HBCUs. Uh, talk to us then about uh, the oversight of that type of money. I, I think one of what Obama wanted to allude it to when he cut the budget was the sloth and the mismanagement. Talk to us about the oversight of those types of funds.
3: Well, I think that um, like like any type of, of government funding, there has to be some type of accountability and responsibility. And what I have seen uh, from the Trump administration is that they've actually called on HBCU leaders to be more accountable of these funds and actually hold them to it. And they've been receptive to it. They understand. They're like governors of their own state. They understand when you receive money from the from the American taxpayer that you have to be good stewards of it. And for the first time you've had a white house that says you know and a department of education that says we want to 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 have uh some 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 uh, accountability and responsibility when it comes to these resources and hold you accountable for it and and for the most of these hbcus have said yes we agree we want it uh we want to work with you and and i think that that's important when you look at the the the, the impact of what these hbcus are doing uh, you, you've seen a, a, a lot of the ones that need the help. They've been able to find different ways of, of receiving resources. So it's not just asking for you know federal appropriation. It's it's saying, all right, can we have a, a, a level the playing field in terms of creating more opportunities and exposure for us to have access to research grants? Let us work for the research grant and and have a return on the investment. Meaning, let us produce like these other schools are able to produce when it comes to the STEM side, the STEM fields. You know, they want to have access to these grants to to, to, to do that. So I think because of the president's exposure of HBCUs and, and support of HBCUs and the accountability that he's placed on HBCUs, uh, you've seen a lot more attention to them. And that has helped them increase revenue, uh, not only increase revenue through enrollment, You've yeah. seen an increase in enrollment, and some people say it's because they're scared, you know, black yeah. suitors are scared of white America. No, I think it's because you had a president who has been championing HBCUs since day one. He has. This is going back to February of 2017 when he was championing HBCUs, and when this is the first president in the history of our nation to, to promote HBCUs on foreign soil, like he did in Davos, Switzerland, when he talked about how proud he was of signing the Future Act. And so yeah, he did it. we have a president he did it. who gets it.
1: I, he did it. You know, Paris, I only have about about three minutes left with you, and yeah. I, I can't let you go without telling folks uh, how to get in touch with you if they want you to come and share uh, the fine points that you have shared with us here uh, to this broad audience uh, across the, the nation and throughout the globe, actually, uh, here today. Uh, tell us how to get in touch with you and um, legacy, uh, uh, Paris. Tell us about legacy when it's all said and done, and Paris Denard hangs up his boots and sits on the porch and rocks and looks off into the sunset Uh, what do you want us to remember about what you did talk to us
3: well you can find me at uh, paris denard p-a-r-i-s-d-e-n-n-a-r-d parisdenard.com Online, And you can follow me on Twitter at Paris Gennard to to get a hold of me because I know we're going to beat this coronavirus and there'll be a time when I can hopefully come and see everyone in person uh, and and talk to you directly. And and, and until then, we can do it all all online and digitally and through radio programs like yours, uh, Reverend Bryant. But in addition to that, I want people to know that um, in terms of my legacy i want my legacy i want my works to speak for me my grandfather who was my hero walter john richard denard the chairman of the deacon board worked for sears rollback and company for 30 years and then retired to open up his own small business called denard service and repair and i used to work alongside with him uh and and he told me because all you have is your good name when you shake somebody in the hand shake, shake them shake their hand and look them in the eye You mean what you say and say what you mean. And you only have your good name and and make the Denard name proud. And I hope that my legacy will be that for my people, for the community, that they will say Paris Denard fought for us and tried to make opportunities happen for us on the Republican side. My grandfather told me, he said, Paris, he was a Democrat. He said, Paris, I don't like your party. I don't like your president at the time. He said, but I love you and I love you in the party. Keep fighting for us in the party. And that, I hope my legacy is that Paris was a true champion and fighter for the black community and made ways and made impact and created opportunities to grow and expand uh, the, 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 the black community in a positive way, economically, spiritually and, and politically, uh, because of his advocacy work. Uh, with the GOP and with President
1: Trump. Well said and well done, man. Continue to fight the good fight. I certainly uh, know that you will because you are Paris Denard fighting the good fight. I'll see you on the trail again. God bless you and keep you. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on with me. Talk to you soon, man.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you.
1: I'm CL. This is the CL Brian show. That was Paris Denard. And uh, I got to tell you something, folks, when we're able to lay it out like that, when we're able to say it like that, so that even the youngest person, the five year old, the seven year old in the room can understand uh, what we're wanting to do here, then uh, we're making progress. Yeah, we're making progress. Uh, This was not in any way a message or an interview of poor, pitiful me. Look what they've done. It was a message of overcoming and what we must do. And, and, And folks, I am all on board with that. And I believe that this president, Donald John Trump, is all about what we should be doing, what we should be about doing. To keep America great, and I do not not me personally, and, and people in my circle, and of course, you know, I have people who are not in my circle who I dearly care for and love um, <laughs> We need to consider the alternative here, and even though um I uh, initially was not, I was a Ted Cruz you know guy. But I saw the light, and I'm glad that I saw the light and jumped on the uh, Trump campaign. Once he got the nomination, I was all in. We're going to talk a little bit about that after the break. Gordon Chang coming on on the bottom of the next hour. Gordon Chang will be my special guest. I'm CL. Be back after the news. Don't go anywhere. Mm
0: through.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the Fruited Plains, of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you for being there as we build the bridge to conversation daily right here on the C.L. Bryant Show, along with Red State, our flagship station. I want to thank... Also loving Liberty uh, for having us in their family as well around the globe uh, and, uh, and, across the Fruited Plains. I want to um, uh, make sure that you be, you want to be sure to hang around. Um, Gordon Chang is coming up, bottom of the hour. Uh, great columnist, fantastic author of the book, um, The Coming Collapse. Of China. I want to hear from him on um, how he views our coming relationship with China. Um, I want his opinion because he is a student of China. I want his opinion on whether or not the friendship that the president is wanting to have with the Chinese is that something that borders on pipe dream. You know, the president has pulled off things that have bordered on pipe dream before, right? (laughs) You better believe it, but I I want to have this conversation because if things have changed, yeah, if things have changed in our world as we know it before Corona, COVID-19, then evidently and it's possible that things have changed as far as our relationship and the mood of our relationship with China. Maybe that has changed. I want to talk to Gordon Chang about that. I don't think Gordon has been on Gordon Chang has not been on the show. Michelle, I don't think uh, Michelle's not here. Of course, like I said, I'm here by myself, (laughs) Uh, but Michelle, I know you're listening to the show. Um, I don't think he's been on with me before. I've talked to Gordon Chang before, but I don't think I've talked to him on the show before. And so we're going to have him on, and I want to make him, uh, put him on the regular uh, list so that we can have him on regular. Paula White, want to have her on regularly as well, uh, Michelle. So that is where we are. Now, let's um, then take a a step back for just a second and go back to the wave, the second wave of this that could come through. You, you have seen with your own eyes, just how fabulously, fabulously wealthy our nation is. Many, most Americans, I would dare say as many as 98 more, maybe even less, you know, Maybe maybe even um maybe not that many, but ninety percent of Americans don't really understand the fabulous wealth that our nation enjoys uh it just through its resources, its treasury you know it's it's just absolutely fabulous we are the wealthiest nation on earth most prosperous nation on earth it is evidenced in the fact that we can actually send out monies to our citizens other countries have done that but they then immediately collapsed <laughs> through a lot of financial wrangling that creates basically a house of cards i mean really we, you know, let's, we, you know, let's be honest about it we can sustain ourselves and then hope that later some invention like the kerosene lamp or you know the, the ipad the iphone comes along and creates a boon for the American worker and the American economy. Yeah. But we are fabulously wealthy Americans. We are fabulously wealthy. And if you don't appreciate anything uh, more today, appreciate this one thing, that you were born here, that you were born in America at this time. And even though, uh, yeah, the coronavirus is, um, you know, just booming here, we've surpassed the Chinese and the uh, Italians, but, you know, we're um, much bigger than the Italians and the Chinese, well, we need to investigate them because it appears that this very well could have all been avoided. They could have all been avoided if there had just been honest, honest communication taking place between heads of state. And and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, the president has wanted to do was give... His newfound friends, President Xi and little, little rocket man, <clears throat> even Vladimir, and he's, he's come under assault for this, but he wanted to give them the businessman's um, version of benefit of the doubt. But um, you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, well, it's going to be shame on me, so I can't let you do that. And that's the way he's playing this. If you're paying attention, that's the way he's playing this. He wanted to shut the doors to the Chinese and those who are criticizing him even now, the president even now, they criticized him for wanting to shut the doors. And now they're criticizing for not shutting the doors soon enough. And and we know you know that this is the the road that we have to travel and and the row that we have to hoe, uh, as far as concerned. Yeah, row R O W row. You hoe a row. You don't hoe a road. You hoe a row. Corn, uh, cotton. You know, potatoes. Hoeing potatoes. You hoe the row. I hear people mess that up all the time. <laughs> And it wasn't an easy row, R-O-W, for the president to hoe, H-O-E, because nobody in the Democrat camp wanted him to succeed, and many in the Republican camp had the same type of demeanor toward the president of the United States. But he has succeeded in spite of all of that. Now, over 700 hospital workers in Detroit area have tested positive for coronavirus. And the uh, evil of this, and uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Shane Hernandez, representative Shane, her state Health representative Shane Hernandez in um, Michigan today earlier and um and keep keep that name in the forefront of your political thinking Shane Hernandez that's my that's my buddy he's just also like a, uh, a son to me he really is and um keeping an, keep an eye on on that name and so i'm going to have him on the show here soon. Uh, he's been on with me many times, but I haven't had him on lately. Great time to have him on while I can get a hold of him and have him nail down. But hospital workers in the Detroit area Seven hundred of them have been tested positive. Now, the scary thing about this uh, virus, all of us know this, or we should know. And if you don't know it, we find out. Listen, you need to you need to find out as much as you possibly can about this virus, and you need to know just how sneaky it is. I said to you yesterday. I said to you yesterday that the um, it's the snake that you don't see that will bite you yeah, unless you're an idiot. <laughs> And um, you just walk right into uh, that blame snake and let him bite you. But it's the snake generally that you don't see that will bite you, especially if they um, don't give off a rattle like a cotton mouth. They are mean. Yeah, they are. As cotton mouths are mean little snakes. (laughs) And they can get to be big snakes. Saw them break the leg of a dog one time. It's the snake you don't see that'll get you. So know everything you need to know about Corona because those 700 um, hospital workers in Detroit, that have tested positive for coronavirus, this is the 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 thing that, that frightens the most, is that you don't know, we don't know who we have come in contact with in the last 14 days. We don't know. We don't know who they have come in contact with. And one of the things that I'm grateful for, and Jane I just almost had foresight, my my wife, my uh, departed wife, um, she said that she had to leave, she wanted to leave Louisiana, just had to get away, and... I guess, um, you never know what people have as far as their own insight into their, their lives and their days and premonitions and so forth. And so we came here and we enjoyed it. We loved being here. The, the time that she was, um, in the, in the month and a half that, um, we were here that she was able to enjoy being here. And then that final uh, couple of weeks, it was, it was, uh down from 40,000 feet, we started descending rapidly and it crashed. But I'm glad that um, God in his wisdom uh, decided to bring her home with him instead of allowing her in her weakened state to be here now. I couldn't see this. Who could see this a month ago? No one could. No one could have. A month and a half ago, two months ago, who could have seen this? Five months ago, who could have seen it? No one could have. That's why we walk by faith and uh, not by sight. That's why I do my very best to do that. Now, friends, um When we think about how far we got to do, and a reminder, Gordon Chang coming up at the bottom of the hour, Gordon Chang coming up at the bottom of the hour, Um, extraordinary columnist, extraordinary mind, and gives us keen and extraordinary insight into China will be my special guest earlier. Paris Denard was on with me. He is uh, a colleague of mine on the advisory board for the president, black voices for Trump. And um, he is also now been elevated to communications director and black outreach uh, for the white house. And uh, he was on with me earlier and download the app. If you have the app that, um, Conversation, you want to uh, look back at the points by point by point that Paris made um, in his interview as to the achievements of DJT, Donald John Trump. And um, it is amazing how. Phenomenal it has been, yet underreported in mainstream media. Underreported in mainstream media. And that's the way it's going to be. Even after he's reelected, you will see that the achievements will be underreported. And since, um, although Trump, I don't believe, will ever be a lame duck anything, (laughs) I know, the media is going to try and uh, uh, add new meaning to the term lame duck president. And friends, the the way that we can uh, make certain that uh, Donald John Trump is uh, powerful, has teeth, muscle in his second term is to make sure we give him a Democratic House of Representatives, Congress. We give him that and we extend our strength in the Senate as Republicans and conservatives in particular. That's the only way that we're going to avoid. We're going to save this president and this presidency from falling into the hands of those who would want to um, redefine, add new meaning to the word and the phrase term, lame duck president. We have to, we must regain the house and we must expand our hold on the Senate so that the engine can be refired and we can at least... Look to the hills from whence cometh our help, our creator God, for four years of American prosperity. And then, guess what? 2024. And if we're able to elect a Republican president in 2024, think about this, folks. If he does two terms, we will be talking about the presidential elections of 2032. Oh, yeah, I plan to be around. Oh, heck, yeah. (laughs) I'll still be doing my thing. Uh, Yeah, 12 years from now, heck, yeah. Yeah. I'll still be doing my thing. Don I won't even be as old as President Trump. No, yeah, well I might be as old. Yeah, I'll be right there, knocking on the door. I won't be as old as Trump. Yeah. I'm gonna still be doing my thing. Vibrant, doing my thing. Heck yeah, I certainly won't be as old as Trump. <laughs> CL back with you on this great day in the USA. It is absolutely a fantastic one. We're expecting to be joined uh, here in a few minutes by Gordon Chang, uh, author, columnist. Uh, Gordon Chang, great mind, keen insight into China and uh, incredible perspective on China's future, author of uh, The Coming Collapse of China, and uh, I want to talk to him. He'll be coming in with us here shortly. Uh, his latest work, uh, Breitbart News, Gordon Chang, uh, U.S. should seize China's $1 trillion in treasury obligations as coronavirus compensation. Hey, uh, a move like that, that would not be a joke at all. That would be an incredible coup. <laughs> it would set barns on fire around the world if the United States and hey, let me tell you something, you have the right guy in the office to do it you hey, he'll do it. So we'll talk to Gordon Chang here in just a little bit about that, but now, uh, friends. Uh here we are. Um, there's so much that we don't uh, know and we're not used to being in that type of situation. We're not used to being in that type of predicament as Americans. We are used to at least having an idea of how tomorrow will go. We know uh, if we have any common sense that tomorrow is not promised to anyone, however, um, we generally have an idea of what it is we want to accomplish if we're here tomorrow. But at this point in time, uh, we don't know what to uh, we expect to do in the next couple of weeks, or what we expect to get accomplished in that next couple of weeks. Because quite honestly, quite frankly, we don't know what the next couple of weeks in America will look like. We do have some very good news Um, today. And our prayers and thoughts are with um, Boris Johnson there, the prime minister of um, Great Britain. Who is on oxygen? They haven't put him on the ventilator, and I think uh, Governor Governor Cuomo has sort of uh, put the old um, the hex on the ventilators because he said uh, once you get on the ventilators, very seldom do you come off. So uh, looks like the Prime Minister of London. Must have heard that because they they have him on oxygen, but they do not have him on a ventilator. And, folks, uh, quite frankly, I certainly hope that we do not get the news that uh, they have put him on a ventilator. I hope that uh, his uh, conditions and my prayers right now, and I join with my faith with yours, uh, that God will begin to um, raise him up again. This man is young, uh, younger than I am, uh, much younger than I am. Um, and so he is on that type of thing. And, but the question is, did, in fact, the Chinese lie to us? Do we need answers for that? Of course we need answers for that. On with me now is someone who is, in fact, one of the great minds, uh, in my opinion, writing today, Gordon Chang Uh, He has very keen insight into the Chinese situation, and he has incredible opinion about how we should deal with the Chinese. He is uh, a renowned author of uh, the book uh, The Coming Collapse of China. Help me welcome to the show, I believe for the first time, Gordon Chang. How are you, friend? Thank you for being there.
4: I'm fine, thank you, and thank you so much for that kind introduction, Reverend Bryant.
1: Thank you very much, Gordon. Gordon, tell us, uh, first of all, about your book, um, The Coming Collapse of China. What was the genesis of that? Uh, why did you write that?
4: I wrote that because my wife and I were living in Shanghai at the time, and I was practicing law, and I had you know, seen clients come in, stay at the Grand Hyatt, um, which is really one of the most spectacular hotels in the world, and say that... China's not communist anymore. And, and that's exactly sort of how I felt, and my wife felt when we first arrived in Shanghai, which was um, August 1996. Because I can remember Lydia getting on the phone and saying, Mom, China's not communist anymore. But <laughs> as we lived in China, as we traveled around the country, worked there, talked to people, we realized that China was still communist and was actually moving in many ways in wrong directions. And so that's why I
1: wrote the book. Let me ask you this, then. My guest uh, here now is Gordon Chang, author of the book uh, The Coming Collapse of China. How close is that economy to collapse in light of the coronavirus, and uh, I'm setting setting up a question that I have for you as well, Gordon, but if you you tell us in your, if you have a crystal ball to look into, uh, what do you foresee as far as the coming of that collapse?
4: Well, the economy is certainly a driver of uh, failure in in the Chinese state. Um, If we look back at the first quarter, which just ended at the end of last month, the Chinese economy was deep into contraction, um, perhaps down 10 percent, people were saying year to year, maybe even down 20 or 25 percent. And and that you can sort of see because our economy is going to be very much the same way. But China's economy before the epidemic hit was only growing one or 2% if it was growing at all. It's burdened by debt. Um, the leaders in, in Beijing didn't really know what to do except to try to pour on more stimulus, and it really wasn't working. So they were at a dead end. And I think the coronavirus is going to make it much more difficult for them to start up again. So as we look forward, um, I'm, I think it's going to be hard for Beijing to actually rev up the Chinese economy, especially because its primary export markets, Europe and the United States, are, are flat on their backs.
1: Well, wow. Gordon Chang is my special guest. Gordon, let me ask you this then. In a piece that you did for Breitbart, um, you point out to us that there's at least $1 trillion uh, that could be seized that are assets of China. Would you expound upon that, shed light up on that particular article and why you want us to be aware of what's available? Well,
4: what China did... Um, It just didn't let the virus leak out of China. It deliberately crippled the United States and other societies. It was only January 20 that Chinese leaders acknowledged that the disease was transmissible human to human. But they knew that about the second week of December. Um, And in that time, it's not only that they kept that secret, which would have been bad enough, But what they did was they deliberately tried to mislead the world into thinking that the coronavirus was not transmissible human to human. And that's why the World Health Organization, in an infamous January 14th tweet, said, based upon what the Chinese were telling WHO, um, there was uh, no possibility of human to human transmission. That meant that countries around the world did not take precautions that they ordinarily would have adopted. So this was... I think this was deliberate, because although we don't know what was in the minds of Chinese leaders, if they had wanted to deliberately spread the disease beyond their borders, they would have done exactly what they, in fact, did do. So um, I think countries around the world have a right to seize Chinese
1: assets. Gordon, let me then... let me then ask you this, as far as uh, the way our president President Trump is handling uh this type of situation i one of the reasons why I became a national surrogate for for the president and sit on a board uh, an advisory board of his is this: I liked his approach to uh, being strong in the face of the Chinese. However, uh, there are some who feel as though he's too friendly with people like China and, of course, Vladimir Putin. Uh, Gordon, if you could uh, give us some insight from your point of view as to how this president is handling and faring with the Chinese.
4: Yeah, I think that President Trump, if you look at his general posture, has been much tougher on the Chinese than any of his predecessors going back. You'd have to go back to Eisenhower to find a president who was more hostile to Chinese communism. I don't particularly like it when President Trump says nice things about Xi Jinping. I think he goes over the top. But nonetheless, I don't believe that President Trump actually believes what he's saying. He's doing it because he wants to unnerve the Chinese and because he believes that he just needs to, on a working level, keep things civil. Um, But President Trump's policies on China are resolute. They defend the United States. And it's been a long time coming. So it's very important for us to support the President's policies on China. Because we have a common enemy. That's China. That common enemy means us harm. And we've got only one president right now. Um, So my message to Americans is whether you're Republicans or Democrats, whether you're going to vote for President Trump in November or not, he's the only guy who's going to save us. And so we've got to rally behind him at this critical moment because we could lose our republic.
1: My special guest is uh, Gordon Chang. Gordon, I've enjoyed uh, your pieces and writings for years now and really do expect respect your, your, your mind and uh, your writings. Let me uh, then uh, transition, or at least let me, let me ask you this then. Um, the audience would love to know how to get you, once all this is over, to where they are, to uh, their churches, synagogues, uh, to speak to them. And so how do people get a hold of Gordon Chang if they need to talk to him?
4: Um, I've got a website. Uh, it, well, the uh, the email address is info at g-o-r-t-o-n-c-h-a-n-g dot com, info at com. And my Twitter handle, it can send me a direct message there. Is g o r d o it is g-o-r-d-o-n-g-c-h-a-n-g. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I try to respond to everybody. I'm not always 100% perfect at that, but um, I'm... <laughs> My wife is very good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm all these things. Uh, well bless your heart for giving credit to your bride uh Gordon, uh everybody has been on the show and i'm I'm really proud to add you uh to uh, this list everybody from Hannity to we, the the whoever you want to name uh, have been here and this is a question that I like to pose to um most who come on the show and I certainly want to hear from you on this particular question you, your body of work is huge it's large you've you've done you've done good uh, as far as spreading uh, your message and, uh, your thoughts and philosophy on life and, and politics. But once you sit on the porch and there you are rocking, holding hands with your, your, your significant other, your wife, looking off into the sunset and, uh, reflecting on life, um, talk to us about legacy. What would you want us to remember about, um, Gordon Chang's journey here with us? Talk to us.
4: What a great question. I've never been asked that question before because I've never really thought about legacy because we're just really just so involved day to day. China's propaganda is pervasive, um, and they've tried to flood the United States. They've tried to ha- have been successful in penetrating American society from the top to the bottom. So I don't really think about uh, tomorrow that much. I'm just sort of very much concerned about making sure that the American people have an alternative viewpoint to that of a very hostile regime that means us harm. So, um, you know, in terms of legacy, um, maybe I'll think about that when we're sort of past this crisis. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: No, no, I know I, I was listening. Yeah, it is something for us to think about when we're past this crisis. And, folks, uh, my special guest is Ben Gordon Chang. Uh, tune in. Two hours every day. Gordon, uh, I want to thank you for being here with us um, uh, here on the CL Bryant Show. If you don't get both hours, download free the CL Bryant Show app onto your iPhone or favorite device. And this conversation will be there, and I want you to reflect on it. Last question for you uh, here. Have about three minutes left, Uh, Gordon. um, You were talking about after this has passed, after this is over. Does our relationship with China uh, go back to um, pre-corona or uh, COVID-19, or is there something that's going to be weakened in our relationship with China because of this episode?
4: I don't think we go back to where we are. Now, there are significant elements of American society, Wall Street, uh, Chambers of Commerce, Um, who would like it to go back to where it was. Um, But I don't think that it will. And part of it is because um, I think American people have seen how malevolent China has been. And so it's very difficult to unlearn that type of stuff, even in the onslaught of propaganda that Beijing is unleashing on us right now. So I I do believe we have a much more robust posture towards China. And I think that if President Trump is reelected in November... He probably is going to go after the Chinese um, in a much more determined way, uh, largely because he'll be freed of a lot of the political pressure that has been put on him um, from those elements in society that have really benefited from China. Not all Americans have. Most Americans have not. And we've got to remember that um, we've got to defend our sovereignty and our republic. And, um, we're going to do that, Reverend. We're going to do that.
1: Thank you so much for being on with us. Continue to fight the good fight, Gordon Chang. I know that you will because you are God bless and God keep you. And again, thank you for being on with me. You're going to be a regular. I got to have you on as a regular, uh, here on the show. Thank you so much.
4: I would love to. And thank you so much.
1: I'm CL. This is the CL Brian show. And, um, I have just uh, been on with someone who I incredibly have incredible respect for. And uh, and his mind is, uh, is incredible as well. Uh, Gordon uh, Chang uh, has been on with us. And um, one of the things, one of the messages that you get from him is that you cannot trust the Chinese and don't think that uh, the footsies that you sometimes see uh, and perceive the president to be playing with the Chinese is is something that is um uh for b- believability <laughs> okay uh and and, and you know what i i trust i tr- you know when when you hear gordon's um opinion on that you know you 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 trust what he is saying he's one of those kind of kind of people who you know has done the home work. And that's what I do. I mean, I just don't come here and I start shooting off my mouth um, on um, when I come to you. i I've done my home work. I've seen I've looked at both sides of the the street, as is my custom to do. don't forget before I was ever a conservative voice. In this country, um, I was a liberal voice <laughs> in uh, this country. Uh, I was president of the NAACP in Garland, Texas, two term president. Uh, and that's back in the day, going back over 30 years, way over 30, we're going over 30 years now, uh, back in that era, uh, back to um, 87, 1990, uh, you know, back in that era for moving to Florida. Yeah, I've seen both sides of the street is my point. And that is my custom to be attuned to what the liberals are thinking. There's some things, there's some things the libs want to do that, you know, hey, if if we could fine tune it, it wouldn't be so bad there are some things that the conservatives are doing that i wouldn't i think we need to rethink as well you know so is you must look at both sides of the street you can't go through this life uh with you know this tunnel vision huh and don't ever believe a liberal who tells you that uh conservatives all want you dead that's just not true i mean you know we have children who are liberals <laughs> and some of us do yeah, we love them. We, underge- we get it. Many of us have been liberals. And we're praying for those who are not. I'm C.L. be back with the close of today's show. When I return. You thought I was worth saving.
0: So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up
1: Do the best I can. Always in the helping hand. And for the flag I
0: stand.
1: CL home stretch of the CL Bryant show today. Glad that you could come along with us. Hey folks, it has been a a blockbuster of a show today. Uh, I had on with me earlier in the show, Paris Denard. Yeah, Black Voices for Trump was on with me. And, uh, hey, I got to have some people on from Freedom Works tomorrow. It's been a while since they have been on with me. They are doing something that is just outstanding. It's called Love America. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag Love America. Go there. I mean, make it big. Make that hashtag. Uh, make it go. And um, it is something, folks, that I am just absolutely uh, thrilled to be a part of. Uh, part of to be a part of that family, the Freedom Works family. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rev R E V Rev, Rev uh, C L Bryant. And um, there are some things that we have released. Freedom Works and myself we have released uh, here just yesterday. I think the latest one uh, come out. You. will uh, go when you go there at rev r-e-v-c-l bryant uh, follow me on twitter you'll see me with a mask on and but click on that one yeah be sure to tune in on that one and hey folks believe me we're gonna make it no doubt about it regardless of what our liberal friends and children and loved ones are saying to us we're going to make it and regardless of what they're saying the president is handling and has handled this very very well uh, yeah um you know conservatives <clears throat> we are not this is this is what this is what what's different about someone who is a conservative than someone who is a liberal in the way we approach this you see i just believe that you're wrong that's all i don't i don't believe you're evil i believe the effects of your thinking can create certain evils that would be bad for all of us as americans but when you consider me as a conservative you think that i'm evil because i'm a conservative you know you you bypass being wrong <laughs> yeah I, there's nothing wrong with you considering my opinion wrong because therein lies the conversation. You think I'm wrong. I think you're wrong. Okay, so let's talk about it. You know, I'm not only to argue about it, but we can talk about it. Okay. Therein lies the the foundation for conversation because we travel toward, whenever you start that conversation, when two opposing views are being heard, you begin to travel toward one another, though you may never agree. You still travel toward one another because you are able to talk. Oh, there are many people that I talk to on a regular basis that we will never agree uh, ideologically on um, American principles. I mean, the way they should be executed, we'll never agree on them ideologically. But we definitely can agree to talk about it, our disagreements, and the strengths and weaknesses of our points of view. Sure, there are some strengths in the points of view of those you disagree with there's some weaknesses there's some flaws in the things that i'm uh talking about and um you know even though regardless of how dogmatic i may uh appear and come off you know i know that nobody's right all the time i'm right most of the time <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm right i'm right most of the time i am <laughs> most of the time but nobody can be right all the time you know especially now that I'm getting a little older, just a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm just, uh, just uh, not, not even a half step slower. You know, I'm still sharp as, uh, sharp as I ever was. But nobody can be right all the time. And so you have to uh, be certain to speak with and talk to people who have differing views than you. I do it all the time. I take them to coffee. I take them to lunch. You know, I don't like to have dinner with people (laughs) uh, who uh, are prone to argue. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I do like friendly discussion, but I'll, I'll do breakfast and I'll do lunch with those who want to be, you know, rambumptious, but Dinner is something totally di- different to me. Dinner to me, if, especially if it's dinner out, it's, uh, it's a sacred thing. It's just absolutely sacred. Dinner at home is even more uh, sacred to me. So I don't want to talk about anything that's going to cause us to have a blow up. <laughs> yeah. You have to choose your your, your ground that you're going to fight on. Okay, and dinner is just not that ground where I want to fight. I don't mind fighting at lunch. I don't mind fighting at breakfast. You know, in fact, that, that propels me through the rest of the day and night but when I have dinner and I'm almost European in the way, uh, you know, Jane and I had gotten away from it. Uh, the last couple of years uh, here of our lives together, we had started eating earlier in the night, in the, in the day, in the afternoon, uh, five, six o'clock, you know, we eat then and we wouldn't eat anything, you know, past, uh, seven o'clock at night. We wouldn't do that. But prior to that, uh, you know, in our ministerial lives and uh, we had a very European type of uh, way we did. We many times wouldn't have dinner until late at night. And the way my schedule was, I might be flying out noon or something uh, the next day and gone and so forth. And we would sleep in until just about time for her to take me to the airport and me to catch an Uber. And so we were very European in the way we ate then. So my point to all of this is, folks, here we are in this land of the free, home of the brave now, And we had better understand that we're going to have to have conversation with one another. We're going to have to know each other. And there's going to have to be purpose in that even if we agree to disagree on certain topics... Believe me, the things that are important to our relationship with each other as Americans, those things will prevail in the conversations that we're going to have. The things that are truly important. I said this to you, I think, a couple of days ago. And so I say it a lot, so I'm not really sure where, where I say these things, but I remember saying them and uh, you know. I spend a lot of time here, you know, daily on the radio speaking to you. So I'm pretty sure I said this to you uh, the other day. And that is this virus is going to teach us something about our American character. It it will alter us psychologically. But the fact of the matter is this, and I don't believe this is going to change. We like being in our ball stadiums, football, baseball, basketball, stadiums. We soccer. We like congregating like that that is why I know that we will find a way to do it again in the way that we did it before we like the high fives we like living our American lives the way we have been living them And whether it's SARS or Corona or whatever it is, we will not go away quietly into the night. We are Americans. We will stand and we will fight and defeat this enemy too. This, all of us should take the pledge right now as American citizens, that we will defend our nation, our way of life against all enemies, foreign, domestic, and even invisible. Like this coronavirus is by behaving ourselves in responsible ways. Hashtag love America by behaving ourselves in responsible ways. Yeah, that's how we win. It is bad. That the situation calls for government to be exercising the type of authority that it has exercised. And we'll pay close attention to that exercise of governmental authority to make sure that the hand does not become heavier than it is. Yeah, that's why the government has to open up again. That's why our uh, country has to get back to work so we can take that hand off of us. But until we get a handle on this, something that is proving to be fatal, has proven to be fatal, a killer, until we get a handle on it, let us be good citizens and let us behave ourselves in the way that we know is necessary now to defeat this. Stay inside as much as you can. I had thought about going out, but I'm going to stay inside. I've gone for drives. I haven't gotten out of the car, but I've gone for drives and so forth. Stay inside. Hey, listen, folks. We shall overcome. Yes, we shall. I am grateful today for my guest, uh, Paris Denard, Black Voices for Trump, and uh, communications director, outreach director for Um, Black Outreach, the Trump campaign, was my uh, special guest, one of my colleagues um, on the advisory board of Black Voices for Trump. And um, I was on in the second hour of the show with um, Gordon Chang, author, columnist, great American mind. Gordon Chang was on with me, and uh, I thank him for the insight That he gave us and truly he is letting us all know in no uncertain term that China is not our friend and we had better uh, heed the president's warning and keep an eye on them as well. Well, I want to thank God for bringing us to uh, the close of yet another day. And I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right speak our minds. And until I'm able to talk to you again, I'm CL, and this is the CL Bryant Show. May God bless and keep you all.
0: I'm just a pilgrim on this road.